Before we begin today's show, if you've been following along this week on any of the ESPN platforms, you hopefully know by now that it's V-Week, one of the most important weeks of the year at ESPN. And even during these challenging times we're in, ESPN and the V Foundation's fight against cancer has not stopped. If you're able, please support cancer research by visiting v.org donate. 100% of what you give goes to cancer research. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on a very eventful day, uh, Wednesday night now. Um, uh, lots of stuff happened in the NBA today. We can't even get to all of it in this podcast. Um, I am joined from Dallas by Tim Band McMahon. Howdy, McMahon, partner. Your boys in Houston had a move today. And never boring, never boring. Um, and uh, joining us also to talk about it from Seattle is the machine Kevin Pelton, whose trade grades, it's uh, it's in the evening uh, East Coast time on Wednesday. The trade grades are up. And Pelton, you were not you did you were not exactly kind to this deal. Russell Westbrook uh, going to Washington for John Wall and a protected first round pick. I believe it starts uh, in 2023. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that right, McMahon? That's correct. A uh, lottery protected and then some protections rolling over. Um, you know, sort of a far off first round pick. Pelton, this is uh, this is one for this is one for the annals. This is this is not a type of trade we normally see. We've seen blockbuster trades, but this is, I guess it's a blockbuster trade, but it feels like something else. What did you, uh, what did you think about this? And uh, go ahead and give your grades. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely does not qualify as a win-win trade in my view. I mean, I think the general perspective I get on it is it's basically saying, hey, we have this guy who's a problem here. You have this guy who's a problem there. Why don't we see if we swap them and maybe it'll solve the other's problems. But I, I don't know that the fit is actually any better for either of these two players in their new destination than it was in their old destination. So uh, I gave Houston a C plus because I do think getting the protected pick down the road is a positive out of this trade and Washington in large part because of giving up that pick a D. Yeah. And look, the Rockets were realistic about Russ's value. They felt like if they went into the season, maybe he could boost it a little bit. But as soon as they were able to get a first-round pick, it, it feels like they pounced on this. They just want to make sure they were able to get one you know, significant asset, whether that's a young player or a first-round pick, in addition to <laughs> what's a pretty, mm, a pretty rough salary swap. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's almost within a couple hundred thousand dollars. It's the exact same amount of money. They both have two years with a player option on it. It's the contracts, considering that they're two of the most difficult contracts in the yes. league. They are equal equal contracts, right? Albatross contracts. Uh, and by the way, swap of Albatross deals. Just to make sure that it didn't that it came through, because you sort of, sort of, it was sort of quiet at the end there. You gave the Wizards a D on this deal. Um, that, that is correct. Yeah, D is in dog. Um, We're dud. Uh, so. McMahon, why knowing you've written about this, why would the Rockets do this now? Because, because they could make a trade. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because the, you know, they again they knew they were hoping Russ could restore his value a little bit, but they knew they weren't getting 
two first round picks and two pick swaps back for him, which is what they gave up to get him along with Chris Paul. I mean, you look at this, they got one of those picks back and man, you know, the uh, Russ wanted out. Uh, that was obvious. You know, that was well known. He, he didn't want to play with James anymore. You know, they, they don't look at this necessarily as, okay, Russ is gone. Now we got to move. They don't look at that at all as Russ is gone. Now we got to move James. They, but you they, don't think that James is like, Oh no! Joy. No, I don't think this, this didn't is salvage anything. Listen, James Harden didn't talk to the media today. Uh, sounds pretty unlikely that he's going to talk tomorrow. If he was jumping for joy, I think he'd, you know, <laughs> answer questions that he knows or people are waiting to ask him. Um, no, this this doesn't save, uh, you know, uh, the the Rockets as far as keeping Harden Houston by any stretch of the imagination. But it does not in any way, shape, or form increase the urgency they are still hoping and i was actually corrected uh confident that they can be competitive this season look they understand if they're not competitive this season they're probably going to have to move hard before the trade deadline um but you know they they got that rust didn't have much of a market they're not settling for 70 cents on the dollar for harden unless there's absolutely no choice in the matter and that's not a – I don't think that's a this season situation of, of there being no real choice. Well, he right now says he wants to go to Brooklyn. It's it's a, it's a, it's not an open market. If you don't like your hand, you, you know, one option is to just right. wait it out to see how your hand develops. Um, you know, the thing about it is, is that Wall, Wall is kind of like Westbrook in that he's a speed guard. Mm-hmm who doesn't shoot very well. I mean, he has moments where he shoots well, but he doesn't shoot very well. But he's not as good as Westbrook. And he hadn't played in two years. Exactly. Like there were durability he's... concerns with Russ. They're, you know, this guy just missed two years of basketball. Right, and by the Achilles. way, that, he hasn't, I think December 26, 2018 was the last time he played. Mm-hmm. And I have to wonder now what now wall has been doing workouts and we've heard, you know, good things. How do the Rockets even nobody looks like? Well, uh, has anyone been involved in them? I mean, DeMarcus cousins, they do have. Well, uh, but I mean, are you taking DeMarcus cousins to uh, scouting on one of his best well, friends in the world? He's apparently, he's apparently played pickup ball with, uh, with Harden. Are um, they going to James Harden and saying, "James, can we? What's your scouting report on John?" Wall? I mean, I just, I mean, I'm I, sure they listen, did due diligence. I just don't know what it was. Yeah, I can't imagine that they, you know, that they're not having a conversation with Harden. You know, but look, let's be realistic. They're not. They didn't make this trade because they think John Wall's going to, you know, pick up in his prime. I mean, that they made this trade because. They knew they were going to have to take back bad salary with Russ, and this at least they were getting a first round pick too. Yeah, I mean they and, and they you know the the Russ situation, it was not it was going to be really ugly. <laughs> I mean it it was not going to be any fun, and we'll see. I mean we'll Russ see if Harden's situation gets ugly. Russ makes things uncomfortable generally. He can make right. things uncomfortable just because it's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. When he's not happy, um, it can really get interesting. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. Um, I get it. And I, and I, I felt, I saw some of the quotes that Eric Gordon, uh, I think you reported them. Eric Gordon met with the media and he was trying to put a good face on it, but. I mean, he wasn't even, he's basically saying, <laughs> look, you got to ask those guys like they're, they're here, which at the time they right, were. But he wasn't like, this is going to be miserable. 
Yeah, um, high, you know, high expectation. I mean, he was given lip service, but you know, is is James still on board? It's <laughs> a question you have to ask him. <laughs> man, um, well, obviously, the fact that they got the pick was an acknowledgement that they may have downgraded a little bit. Um, it's just, it's just hard. I mean, he, he, you know, coming, you know, I will say this: he's he tore his Achilles eight, like seventeen or eighteen months ago. So he is off of it by quite a bit. Like I saw yeah. Dwight Powell from the, uh, from the Mavericks, you reported on this, mm-hmm. he tore his Achilles in January and he is expecting to be full go, um, at the start of the season. Right. So he's, he's, you know, he's on the, like the 11 month thing. Yeah. And an Achilles recovery typically to being fully cleared is as anywhere from eight to 12. Wes Matthews came back in eight. I, I don't know. Kobe might've been similar to that, but that, you know, eight to 12, and then you know, obviously, there's some extra time here, just like Katie has some some extra time. But you know, look, a speed guy coming off an Achilles. Uh, I mean, you know, it's 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 obviously Washington was selling at the ultimate low. So, uh, Pelton, do you see? So, like, they were already going to change their style of play. They made a major investment in Christian Wood, a three-year, $41 million contract, and a sign-and-trade to be their starting center. They had signed DeMarcus Cousins, who is very close with John Wall, two of the best friends, played at Kentucky together. I did a feature uh, on John Wall a couple of years ago, basically when he was earning this contract. He had a career-best season and then got the Supermax, and he, John was playing so well. I went to D.C. and spent some time with him. And then a couple of days later, I was in Sacramento and I talked to uh, to Marcus Cousins about John and uh, about their relationship. And uh, I mean, it, it's not like it's hidden; it's a well-reported thing. But they talk with each other every day, like they they are, you know, as close as you know two guys who are on different teams can be in the league. At least they have been. I I haven't talked with either of them about it in a while. But um, uh, how do you think the Rockets? You know, last year obviously they played super small ball cleared everything out how do you think the rockets are going to play uh like how do you think john wall just assuming some level of uh of of, of contribution how do you think it's going to work so if they do get something resembling the john wall we saw this saw before the injuries and it's worth remembering that you know you really have to go back i think to the 2017 playoffs when the wizards lost in seven games in an epic second round series against boston that that's the last time that we really saw a healthy John Wall. He wasn't the same player either in 2017-18 or in 18-19 when he was dealing with the bone spurs in his heel before then well he was rehabbing that surgery he ruptured the Achilles. It's kind of he a long story. He slipped in the shower was the story, right? I think yeah, that's yeah. you got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom I think and didn't have the boot okay. on something like that. But if you do get something close to that, John Wall, I mean, he could make sense because one thing that John Wall has always been exceptional at is setting up corner threes, which plays very well into the Houston system. And I think there will be a more dramatic style change probably at the defensive end where, you know, Christian Wood and then even Wall to an extent, they're not as ideally suited to switching everything as the Houston personnel we saw last season. You're still going to want to switch a lot with James Harden. 
but now you have an actual center-sized player on the court to protect the rim. But offensively, Christian Wood can shoot the three, did it very well last season. I, I do think we'll probably see more pick and roll from them because now you've got that lob threat again like they had with Clint Capella. But that, that again plays to what John Wall can do. So I do think you'll see more pick and roll. And if he can get into the paint, if he is still that kind of athletic force, then he's going to have some shooters to find in the corner. McMahon, I... I... I wonder if Daryl Morey traded for three first-round picks in his whole tenure as the Rockets GM. <laughs> I know he uh, traded Omer Sheik for a first-round pick, but I'm yeah. trying back in the Kyle uh, Lowry like that asset accumulation. Right, okay. he he had to, he he got a bunch of them, then gave them up for Harden. In the post-Harden, I, I think you might have a point. Okay, um, um, but no, this is look they've they've done some some asset. They're you know they're an asset accumulation mode. Christian Wood is he's traded for three. Right, he, three he, first. Yeah, and traded and, away one. Right, and Christian Wood is a young guy to where if they do pivot to the post-Harden era, which let's be realistic is a likely scenario in the you know foreseeable future whether it's before the deadline next off season i mean it, it would be uh it would take a pretty significant turnaround for james harden to recommit to the rockets after turning down a 103 million dollar extension um but they've got you know they they've got some uh young pieces and picks that they can start a transition with I want to talk about this from the Washington side. You gave Washington a D. Now, in theory, they acquired the better player, the healthier player. Uh, Russell Westbrook was all NBA last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they have a lineup that they can put shooting on the court, uh, Pelton. They have Davis Bertans, so they just invested in majorly. They have Bradley Beal, obviously a terrific outside shooter. Uh, Thomas Bryant, who's their uh, sort of uh, uh, developmental center. I don't know if he's still that money more. He's, you know, in their rotation. He is not a, he doesn't shoot high volume, but he's not a bad perimeter shooter. Um, there could be some lineups where they could do this. And one of the things they're trying to do is they got to make sure Bradley Beal stays happy. Um, Atlanta, the team that is going to be competing with the back for them for the back end of the playoffs has just made major upgrades to their roster. Do you, you know, Scott Brooks was his coach in Oklahoma city. I, I'm not sure that makes a difference. Uh, you know, Westbrook is, it's not like he's going to go to Scott Brooks and say, Oh yes, I played my best basketball, Scott Brooks. We're, we're going to be okay. But you know, there is some familiarity there. Um, does this not help Washington advance at all? in their quest to get to the playoffs? It helps. I'm not sure if it helps enough. I mean, you know, the the big question mark with both this Wizards team and that Hawks team that, you know, hypothetically they're chasing for the eighth seed, uh, and those are, you know, the teams in eighth and ninth uh, on average in the projections that I ran earlier this week using ESPN's real plus minus, um, it's going to be the defensive end of the court. Like both of those teams are going to be able to score, but can they stop anyone? That was the problem for Washington last season. I think with the final game of the year, they slipped either, I think they slipped like ahead of Cleveland into 29th, but maybe they slipped behind them into 30th. That was like a, a race that was uh, taking place with only one of those teams active in the bubble. And if you bring in Russell Westbrook, 
you know, not that they were any great shakes defensively at the point last season when they had Isaiah Thomas starting for the the first four months. Uh, I, I don't know that that's going to help you at that end where they have tried to upgrade with Robin Lopez. I'm also going to be fascinated to see the you know the the fit the chemistry with Russ and, and Bradley Beal. One thing that Russ make for for Harden, this was you know the, the, his wanting to move on is more about you know feeling like the the realistic championship window and and with the Rockets is closing or has closed. With Russ, he told the Rockets, "I want to be able to quote play my game." You know, after pushing to be traded to play with James Harden, he didn't like it. He didn't like being second fiddle. I thought he was able to play his game for the last two and a half months before uh, the, the the shutdown happened, but he wasn't he wasn't happy. And look, if he if playing Russ's game is MVP Russ, everything revolves around him, ball in his hands. I don't see how he can do that in Washington because that's Bradley Beal's team. I mean, I guess if you're going to be optimistic, maybe the model is what we saw that last year for Russ in Oklahoma City, where Paul George really was kind of their first option on offense. It was the lowest usage rate we've seen from Westbrook since he, he emerged as an all-star. So maybe there's there's a window where the two of them can work it out in that same way. Don't you have to think, now I haven't done reporting on this yet. I'll have some conversations in the next day or two. Maybe I'll get an answer. Maybe I won't. But my feel... My feel is that Bradley Beal had to approve this. And to me, everything Washington does in the short term here is to keep Bradley Beal invested. Um, well, well, if we learned anything from the last Westbrook trade, it's that the the star signing off on the newcomer doesn't mean it always works out as well in practice. Right, but I think it's more about he was ready to to move on from playing with John Wall. Who they yeah, had. It's not like they had just a harmonious... Well, they tried to sell marriage. that they did. They try. They tried for years to sell that they did. Yeah, after both admitting publicly, yeah, I don't really like that dude. <laughs> um, I will say this: uh, John Wall is extremely popular in D.C. Um, he's been very active in the community there. Uh, the fans like the way he plays. Um, you know, he did have a couple of really good seasons for them. Um, played through injury at times, which I think the fans appreciated. Um, you know, was he and Beal were definitely cocky at times. They definitely um, were not able to live up to what they thought they could be. Um, but that is a real change. That's a real change there. Like I, I don't. I think because the Wizards fan base isn't rabid, um, maybe it's not recognized as much. But this is a guy who's been there for. 10 years now form number one overall pick like this is a this was not something that the wizards i think came to lightly I, i'm sure something that ownership had to had to consider very carefully um but that's a huge huge change uh there and you know he doesn't play for two years and the fans don't you know even get to sort of have any kind of closure i i, I do think that's there are going to there are going to be some John Wall fans who are pouring one out tonight, uh, who are looking forward to seeing him come back in a couple of weeks. So, um, I think it's going to be it's going to be quite an an, an integration. Uh, it's like okay, uh, you guys were getting ready to play, and your mind was set on this, and also Tommy Shepard, their GM, was on the record saying that a he wasn't trading John Wall, and b. John Wall hadn't asked for a trade, which it was 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 widely reported. Um, 
Uh, it's kind of like Kevin Durant, who uh, claimed fake news that Harden uh, ever spoke to him once about playing with him on the uh, on the Nets. There are times that lying is part of their job requirement, and it's on us to figure it out. I don't think that one was a tough one to figure out. I think that's right. And uh, I still don't 100% know why John Wall decided to ask for a trade. Uh, maybe he'll talk about it. Maybe he won't. Uh, he was mentioned in trade rumors for Westbrook around the draft mm-hmm. and then seemed to ask for a trade. Um, and, and and at the time, the Wizards weren't willing to give up a, a first-round pick or what happened then. Yeah. So something changed. And I wonder if that change was ownership. I wonder if that change was Bradley Beal. I wonder if that change was Wall coming in and making it seem like he was going to make it difficult. But something necessitated, something changed the Wizards' mind because they were the ones who put the pick in. You know, that's what I'm sure got it done, was adding the pick. And that, I would like to know more about that, what what caused it to change. Um, but Pelton, very hard on this trade, C plus D, um, definitely not the type of trade that uh, it's, it's one of those trades where everybody's just like, wow, this is a sad trade. Um, <laughs> but I mean, uh, it, it really is. It, and we've talked a lot about what these changes mean in the short term and understandably so, but it's, it's just remarkable what similar situations these two teams are in, in terms of they had these point guards that may or may not have actually requested a trade, but certainly seemed unhappy and they've got these shooting guards with a couple of years left on their contracts before a player option allows them to get to free agency. If you want to call Harden a shooting guard, he's sort of a point guard too. Uh, and you're trying to keep them happy, but you know that eventually the reality is you're probably going to have to trade them. So to me, as I was kind of thinking through this, you know, it's like maybe one third. What does it mean for in the short term is you view these two teams with Beal and Harden, but it's probably got to be about two thirds what they look like after those two guys are gone. And at that point, I'm not sure the Westbrook Walls part of the swap really makes a difference. What's going to really be noticeable is if, you know, Washington ends up giving a pick in the late lottery to Houston. Well, we'll see. There's still more, there's still more business to be done. We've still got Giannis out there and we've still got, um, uh, we still got AD to get settled and still got Harden to get settled. It's a lot. It's a lot, man. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Jordan, for joining us, Pelton. Um, Dave McMiniman is going to join us in a moment here to talk about the stuff that happened in L.A. today. And uh, all right. Take care, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.
All right, now subbing in for the machine and joining us from Los Angeles is Dave McMiniman. Dave, welcome in. Hey, hey, fellas. Nothing going big, on, uh, right? <laughs> big big NBA Newsday on a Wednesday in early December. Um, so today, and this one, um, this one hit me uh, kind of out of the blue, Dave. I don't know if you had any indication that LeBron James is going to sign an $85 million contract extension. Uh, this is the, this is the eighth contract of LeBron's career. And I think it is the most unexpected, um, really good news for Laker fans. Not that I think there was anything to worry about, but it's a vote of confidence in the medium term of the Lakers. No options in this contract. Um, LeBron is now locked to the Lakers through 2023. Um, what did you think about this? I think it was surprising to me too. Um, I, I had heard, you know, maybe this was a possibility, especially because of the Anthony Davis scenario where, you know, maybe Anthony wouldn't expose himself to be committed to the Lakers uh, beyond a certain point where LeBron was no longer on the books. But I, I think it's kind of by the LeBron playbook he's already shown. Win the championship in 2016 – commit to the franchise for a longer amount of time with Cleveland because what is he about? He's about the ability to spend his NBA experience competing for a championship year in, year out. And then I think uh, you and I spoke earlier today and it was a, a, a smart point and great read by you. But on some level, you know, he's held the league in his fist for so long thinking that, hey, I can do my thing, manage my body the way I do it, and sign these one-on-one deals where I get back into free agency as fast as possible in order to recoup more money um, as the salary cap grows and grows because the sport has done so well, really, in my tenure in the league. But this is giving him a little more insurance than we've seen before because guess what? He's 36 years old. Entering year 18 and last, and it seems like he's, you know, indefatigable right now, coming off a championship, coming off fourth finals MVP. But just a short time ago, he was a 34 year old who missed the playoffs for the first time in 13 years and had the and first major hurt. injury of his career. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm, look, I'm just, I'm going to drop the pretense here because I don't think he's got a problem with it. I, I talked to Rich Paul about it after, um, after LeBron did the deal. And what Rich basically said is, look, the rules are that you can extend out to age 38. You, you, you know, this is the new rule, which it's not that new, but it's the first time LeBron could take advantage of it. He was extension eligible um, this year, which I didn't even know he was extension eligible. I got a pretty good handle on the salary cap for your average NBA guy. I did not know that he was extension eligible, but he was. Um, and so this offseason, not necessarily today, but this offseason um, – was when he could do that. And so really what he did was he took the, the, the age 38 rule and pushed it to the, to the limit. And he is now guaranteed um, as much money as he can be guaranteed under the, the rules in the NBA. And I don't even think that it's like, I do think that he's very happy. I do think that he's, you know, very positive on where the Lakers are headed. Um, but I, I think, you know, again, based on what Rich described is like, look, he wants to protect himself. This is what was available on the table. 
And so now he's fully protected. You know, he will he will earn every dollar that he can. And, um, uh, you know, McMahon, I I guess I get that. I, I think LeBron did, does remember what happened with Dwayne Wade with the Heat. Um, it's not an apples-to-apples situation. Wade's contract had, had vacillated over the years, but Wade got banged up with his knees. He came to a, a free agent year, and the Heat were like, we would love to have you back, but not for the max. In fact, not even close to the max. I think he was offered, I don't even know, you know, vastly less than he was offered by the Bulls. Um, and it ended up being a, a problematic spot. And so I think that LeBron was like, look, I have an opportunity to, 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 to lock in every dollar. I'm about to turn 36. Who knows? I, I don't think I'm going to get injured, but I could. I, I, I really think it might just be as simple as that. Yeah, and, and the way you put it today was it's about kind of acknowledging his basketball mortality. And, uh, you know, just quickly for the record, I want to let our bosses know that my professional mortality would cost them about one hundredth of that if they want to extend my contract. I got to be your agent. I got to be a little better negotiating for you. <laughs> but, you know, that, that was an interesting way to put it. Having said that, if you're LeBron James, like what situation could possibly be better than the one that really he has created for himself with the help of the Lakers front office and, and Rich Paul with the Lakers? I mean, they are obviously the defending champions. They will go into this season as the favorites. You know, Anthony Davis, whatever the contract ends up being, is going to be there. He has a perennial all NBA lock who is in his prime. As his, uh, you know, basically as his business partner moving forward, and you know, to borrow from Joachim Noah, the Hollywood is hell uh, label. <laughs> if you want to put that on LeBron, well, ain't nothing more Hollywood than being in LA where you can produce all the films that you want, uh, and and you know, practice at the Lakers facility uh, in in the morning. And so it, he couldn't ask for a better situation. So sure, max out his possible guarantee at this point knowing that he's going to be on the on a championship contender, if not favorite, most likely, at least through the course of this contract. So, Dave, there was some possibility that Anthony Davis could do a one-year deal and then Le- he and LeBron could opt out together next year and give the Lakers some maneuverability. It wouldn't have – I saw some people saying, oh, they could sign player X. Some people said Giannis, but they could sign player X – and then use the bird rights on, on LeBron and and uh, Anthony Davis to go over the cap, and everybody could get their money. That that's not true because there's a little thing called a cap hold. Um, LeBron can't, uh, you know, he he would have had to to fit to fit another max player on their books. LeBron and AD would have had to probably take a little bit less than the max, although maybe not a lot less than the max, um, because the Lakers only have 15 million dollars as of right now. Uh, before the LeBron signing, they only had $15 million on their books for next year. And had they needed to move KCP, they probably could have. But, you know, say Giannis had become a free agent and he said, I want to be a Laker. They could have maybe each taken four or five million less and fit underneath it. It could have happened. Um, but LeBron was not interested in that. It was made very clear to me. And so the Lakers will move forward, you know, you know, being an over-the-cap team. But... It you know it, it was something that maybe the Lakers could have said, hey, do you want to reconsider that? Because um, there was a window for them there. Yeah, it's interesting. Like a couple things, right? We all know that their plan going into the summer of twenty 
19 after they traded for Anthony Davis was to pursue Kawhi Leonard. But if they had Kawhi Leonard last year, on paper, their chances to win the championship, I'm, I'm sure, go up, right? But does Anthony Davis ever get to the level that he was at last year? Uh, maybe he does eventually, but he, he wouldn't have found those moments last year, I don't think, with Kawhi in the mix. So I think there is some recognition that they can get it done. It doesn't have to be a big three anymore. It can be big two. And, you know, quite frankly, LeBron, even going back to starting the big three in Miami, he was a guy who was not going to get a pay cut. Like, if you were to get LeBron, you had to pay him the pa- the max. And I, I to- asked Rich exactly that. I spoke to Rich earlier in the week, and I said, has LeBron's position on the max changed? Because let me just say, he is chasing six rings, and if he gets the six rings... Would it really make a difference about whether he made thirty-seven million or forty-three million? You know, I just not that I. This is exactly how the conversation went. I said, I, I said, Rich, it's not that I am saying that he should do that. I am just asking if his position has changed on that because it's been the same for like six or seven years, and the answer was it has not changed. And then today it was clear that it wasn't changed because he signed for the max. And I mean, it's right. I, I, you could say that people like Tim Duncan, uh, Turk Davitsky, Dwayne Wade, they took pay cuts in order to help their chance of winning later in their career. And that is true. You could also say that all three of them showed signs of declines before that happens. LeBron James was my MVP last year should have been the MVP last year. He hasn't shown a sign of decline. So, I mean, he, he's earned, he's earned this extension. By the way, did you see, I'm sure you did. Um, you know, I, I'm always a little bit nervous about translated interviews, um, especially because this answer had nuance to it. But Giannis was asked in a Greek interview that came out in the last couple of days about the MVP. And he said, LeBron's the best player. I mean, which you know, is not a hot take, but like this is the two-time MVP. Um, you know, he he said. Well, so that, is that yeah, what he was? Was that was in the body of the text of that newspaper he read after the MVP uh, announcement? Wow. Yeah, it said that LeBron's wow. the best player. That Listen, was a subhead. M- MVP and King of the League are two different crowns. So it's it's LeBron's still the King of the League. It's still his league. Um, I don't want to get in a whole MVP discussion. We didn't have a vote <laughs> yes, last year. But it would have gone to y'all. Low fruit. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but yeah, I, nobody's disputing that. The, well, maybe other than uh, mid playoffs, Tim Bontemps, nobody with any common sense <laughs> is disputing that this is still LeBron James' league. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I think LeBron feels that the Lakers will need to continue to add talent, and they have. You know, they they got another transaction cycle. This is this is the team that I thought they were going to be ready to win with. Was the mm-hmm. was the year after they got AD. Um, you know, the, like in Miami, even though technically this is year three in, uh, in LA, they, they really retrofitted their team after, you know, his year two, it was, it was year two in Cleveland, year two in Miami, where they had the team. This is the team that I thought, and they are loaded. And so, you know, the, the, the Lakers will still be able to add talent. They will still be able to use their exceptions year over year. They may be able to, to use trades. I expect them 
to really want to re-sign Dennis Schroeder for no other reason than he could be a trade asset um, down the line. Um, They'll always be popular for for veterans who are looking for, uh, you know, trying to hunt a ring with the minimum. They're always going to be front of the line in, in buyout discussions. I mean, it's it's not hard to recruit to <laughs> to play with uh, LeBron and AD on the Lakers. Yeah, and I think uh, LeBron's basically like, look, the Lakers will continue to get better, and the Lakers will continue to be relevant, and it's not my responsibility to try to help them with taking less money. And I I respect it. I just think that there was a window there, and it was worth looking at. And I don't, you know, only LeBron knows how much he looked at it, and and they moved on. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Now, I want to talk about Anthony Davis because the fact that that we are talking about a LeBron contract before an Anthony Davis contract, that one caught me by surprise. Um, so from what I understand, um, even though I was uh, – there were other people in the league. It was not just me, but there were other people in the league wondering if Anthony Davis was waiting on uh, Giannis to see if Giannis was going to become a free agent next year or not. Um, Basically, this has been described to me, Dave, as he is looking at not just this contract, but where he wants to position himself in the next contract relative to where his body will be, relative to where the salary cap will be. So he's not looking at it like, should I take a one-year deal and then opt out? Should I take a two-year plus one player option deal to match LeBron now. He's liking, is it a good idea to be a free agent again in 2022? Or should it be a better idea to be a free agent again in 2023 when um, there may be a new CBA and there may be, you know, the economy, the NBA economy improves? Or does it make more sense to be a, a free agent in 2024 where I can add four years onto that? And so, I don't understand why this calculation has taken so much time, but from what I understand, basically Anthony Davis is looking at over a dozen different iterations of what he wants to plan for his career. Two-year contract now followed by four-year contract, four-year contract now followed by four-year contract. I could go on and on all these iterations. Um, And that is the quote unquote holdup that LeBron's negotiation such as it was and ADs are independent of each other. And it wasn't like AD was waiting for this or anything. That's the way it's been described to me. We need, and I don't ever want to lose him as a colleague because he's probably the most universally respected and liked colleague we have at ESPN NBA coverage. That'd be Bobby Marks. We need to get Rich Paul and Anthony Davis, Bobby Marks uh, phone number because they could have figured this (laughs) out weeks ago. Bobby would have told them they would, he would have had them set them straight. 
uh, as to the best option. But it, it, based on you know what we've traditionally known, uh, it, it seems to be this will lead to a two plus one deal. I, I don't I see any other deal making more sense. I think um, two plus one because while we do know the salary cap for the next two years, which most of the years you do not, um, we also know that the CBA will be in effect. And if you get eight, he has eight years experience now. He plays two more years. He gets 10 years experience. He gets five more percent of the salary cap on his max, um, uh, which is worth $7 million or so more. So seven or eight, depending on where we are in two years. So the conventional decision would be sign for two years, like Dave said, opt out, and then make your decision from there. But yeah, you know, before you're 30 years old, I mean, that, that's what's scary about AD. He'll be and, midway and that's through why, his prime at that point. And that's why he's looking at the next contract. And really, in all honesty, he's looking at the next, next contract. I mean, I yeah. don't think he's, I don't think he's like, now yeah. I will sign a two and then I will sign a four and then I will sign a four. I don't think he's serious looking at that, but I think he wants to look and, and have it all lined up. And uh, I will say that. I don't know if AD thought signing a five-year deal in retrospect in New Orleans ended up being the smartest move, considering he forced his way out before it was over. Now, again, I'm not saying that he has any doubts with the Lakers, but I'm just saying that once you've been through something like that, it will affect maybe the way you look at things going forward. Well, and it's like you said, it's a way to maximize his earnings. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I I know you're not trying to say this, but – a, a long-term commitment to the Lakers with with LeBron as your as your sidekick is a little different than a long-term commitment, uh, you know, on Bourbon Street. Dave, do you think so? The Lakers um, did something that was relatively rare this last year. Um, they won the championship without paying the luxury tax. It's only happened, I think, three times in the last seventeen or eighteen years. Back when I first started covering the league, it's hard to even fathom this, but. Um, they didn't know whether they were going to have a luxury tax year to year. They wouldn't announce it until the end of the year, believe it or not. They would, um, they'd, you know, you know, you'd be going through the season and they would be like, you know, February, it sounds like there's going to be a luxury tax, pass it on, luxury tax, pass it on. Um, so there, there, were some, there were some teams that, you know, ended up being taxpayers that didn't know they were going to be taxpayers. Um, but in the modern era, it's only happened to, to two or three times. The Lakers won it without paying the tax. They will be a taxpayer this year, um, but a relatively low taxpayer because they um, triggered the hard cap by using the full mid-level on uh, Montrez Harrell. But you, knowing the Lakers as you do, and you've covered them on and off for you know, 12, 14 years, I don't think that the Lakers are going to have any problem spending into the tax with where they are as a franchise, uh, you know, in the coming years. And I don't think that would be an issue at all. It certainly wasn't for LeBron as he committed. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when you saw Kevin Arvitz's story earlier on during the pandemic about them applying for a federate federal, uh, loan, it definitely raised some eyebrows about the state of the Lakers, but I have to believe that with the, you know, Jeannie Bus and, and the Bus family still being the principal owners, that they will continue to field a contender uh, so long as the window is open. And basically, as long as you have Anthony Davis in a uniform, the window is open um, and, and pay whatever it takes. The, the irony of this is that you know, the luxury tax became 
a fixture and a graduated fixture because of the Lakers. Because when they first introduced the luxury tax, where it was just a dollar to dollar penalty for whatever you spent over the the salary cap, uh, other luxury luxury tax threshold, you had to pay out an extra dollar. The Lakers like you know rub their hands together. That's that's no problem. We got you. Here's our check. We got the biggest local uh, TV deal in the league. The the new luxury tax you know, uh, penalty where if you are in it for multiple years, the repeater tax where it graduates and it's one and a half dollars for every dollar and two and a half dollars and three and a half. I think what, what, how high does it go, Brian? Four and a half dollars? Unlimited. Unlimited. I mean, right. you know, in theory. I mean, right. I think, uh, the, I think the Cavs paid the repeater with LeBron and I think it was 4.5. Yeah, there you go. 4. I think that's high as it's been is four and a half. They, you know, that's it's pretty remarkable. Uh, their championship in 2020 for many reasons was remarkable, but the fact they were able to to not use what they used as basically to uh, use a year of the market tax. advantage, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was good for that. All right. Um, so I, I assume AD will be signing shortly, but I also got the impression that he this decision was 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 difficult. So, but ultimately, he's going to be back with the Lakers. And uh, they're going to have LeBron. They're going to have a good team. And uh, I will say this. LeBron could have gotten an option in this contract. He could have made that last year an option just to maximize, just to make sure, right? Because why not? Why not have flexibility? It would have cost him a little bit of money. It would have cost him, you know, long story short, he couldn't have got the same raise um, within the contract if it was an option year versus a uh, full contract. Um, but it would have cost him around a million dollars. Um, you know, he would have signed for around 84 million instead of 85, um, which seems like it's worth it, you know, to have an option, especially if you're worth hundreds of millions. Um, but he didn't do it. And, um, I'm not sure if it was the Lakers going, no, 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 but whatever it was, you know, cause we talked on this podcast last week about options, about, you know, uh, how options can get a little prickly and, you know, there's only a few players in the league who can demand an option no matter what. Well, here was LeBron James. He had a chance for an option here. He said, no, we'll take the uh, we'll take uh, every dollar. A week after you said that NBA owners were passing those things around like potato chips. Yeah. Well, and also I thought Brandon Ingram might get one and he didn't. So that was interesting. Um, all right. One more thing, Dave. Wait, one I got – guys, let me interrupt real quick because I want yeah. you get both of you guys' opinion because I, I agree with you. This was the most surprising LeBron contract. Do either of you believe this was the last LeBron contract he'll sign? He doesn't look like he's slowing down to me. If he doesn't, if he avoids injury, um, I don't see why he can't play till he's in his 40s. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's going to be Tom Brady-esque. I, don't, I know, Dave, you talked about this today, and I know it's something that LeBron has talked about. And I see other people talking about it too. That 2023 is when his son, uh, Bronny, is scheduled to graduate from Sierra Canyon. I don't like putting that pressure on Bronny, and I recognize that mm-hmm. he is LeBron James Jr. And that pressure is inherent. And he goes to a school that plays a national schedule on national television, and he has documentary cameras around him. He certainly is an extremely talented player. If you've seen him play, you can tell. He's in spectacular physical condition. He's very dedicated to his sport. But I don't like the pressure that that he either A, has to be an NBA player, or B, has to be good enough to be able to get drafted out of high school. Yeah, it's it's 
to to act like this kid. I mean, he's a high school kid. Whatever the circumstances are, he's a high school kid. To act like, and, if and I'd say that a, to LeBron too. Like, yeah. don't don't put pressure on your son. Yeah, to act like if he's not a straight out of high school lottery pick, it's a disappointment. Is just you know that's not right. I agree with that. I I would say two things. One, you know, uh, for us to discuss it, I mean, it's you're you're just acknowledging a part of reality right now. They're discussing it. I mean, like uninterrupted during the 2017 finals, posted a video where it was LeBron and it was Doris Burke and Mike Green, Breen, and Jeff Van Gundy behind the scenes, the kind of like powwow that the broadcast crew will have with the stars. Uh, before a finals broadcast and normally that is no cameras there off the record well lebron's cameras filmed it and put it out there for the world that lebron said the biggest greatest accomplishment he could ever have in his nba career was playing in the nba alongside his son so i mean whether that's pressure or not i think lebron said many times the basketball isn't pressure what pressure is is missing 80 days of school in the third grade. What pressure is, is having to move from house to house because, you know, it's hard for your single parent household to find steady work. And so, you know, that's just where we are with, with the James family. That is everything that you said there is, is accurate. Um, I agree with all of it. And LeBron certainly has a better understanding of this than just about anybody in the world. But I would just say, do him a favor and give him a break. Do him a favor and give him a break. And if he um, doesn't get a break, he can at least get a two-way contract. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one more thing I want to uh, talk about in L.A. Paul George goes on the uh, the uh, All the Smoke podcast with Stephen Jackson and, um, a lot of and smoke. Matt Barnes, and they lived up to its hype on this. <laughs> um, now, I I really do not want... I'm going to try not to take him out of context because it's a long conversation, um, which I've listened to. Uh, Dave, he just threw Doc Rivers under the bus three or four times in this interview. And I'm not saying that Doc, I mean, Doc Rivers already has officially been designated as the scapegoat. He got fired. Uh, Montrez Harrell apparently was in the same, uh, in the same, uh, boat because they didn't even really offer him. So he was sort of blamed too. And Montrez Harrell was terrible in the Nuggets series and Doc Rivers did not perform well. But Paul George totally threw Doc under the bus. Among the things he said was, one, they didn't practice enough. Two, that, uh, that, that, that uh, um, Doc didn't use him correctly, that he used him more like Ray Allen or J.J. Redick, mm-hmm. basically running floppy action, which in the NBA is uh, where a guy basically gets a screen so that he can catch and shoot on the wing, um, as opposed to the way he likes to play, which is to get some post-ups and get pick and rolls. Although I saw Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer tweeted today that Paul George actually had the highest amount of pick and rolls last season, any other season in his career. And by far, um, uh, what else? he, he said that they didn't make adjustments during the playoff series. Um, I think there's even another one or two little things that he, that he threw in there. Um, Paul so George, I, I want to know, did this coaching just happen in games five, six and seven against the nuggets? 
Like, did, did he change up? Because whatever the coaching was doing, they had a 3-1 lead against the Nuggets. Like, did what was Doc Rivers' shooting line in Game 7? Uh, I mean, Paul George is the guy who said that he had a, and it's not his fault per se, but that he just mentally really struggled with the bubble and it led to him to play very, very poorly. I mean, that's a consequence of what happened. And that's something he had to deal with. Is that Doc's fault? Look, I don't want to be insensitive, but Paul George has offered a whole lot of excuses and I have not heard him take any accountability. Other so, than the fact that he said he was mentally struggling. Yeah, I, I don't know. Paul, Paul George is, he's a guy who says a lot of things that should really leave you scratching your head, whether it's blaming Doc Rivers here, whether it's all the trash he was talking about, Damian Lillard, the same Damian Lillard who splashed a 37-footer in his face and waved bye-bye to send him home the previous year. I, I don't know, man. I, I just I, I feel like there's a lot of clutter going on in Paul George's head. Dave, I think this is a hell of a referendum season on Paul George because he is asked to be traded twice. One out at Indiana, one side of Oklahoma City, has been accommodated both times to situations that he liked. Maybe he wouldn't have picked Oklahoma City, but he resigned there. Loved his opportunity to go to LA. It is on him to deliver. Uh, and I mean, I guess I respect him being honest, which I, I mean, I don't mm -hmm. want to criticize a player who I think is being honest, but I just, that was a, that was a concerning, I, I think the, the Clippers, you know, I think their fans probably were feeling good about things because Ty Lu met with the media and said, Hey, the really good thing here is, is that Kawhi and Paul are healthy. They're going to have a full ability to practice and play together from day one. We're going to change some things up. Um, you know, we're, you know, I, I, like Ty was very, very, it was not, it was not unlike when Ty took over mid season with the Cavs for David Blatt. And he's like, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. And the Cavs did get better. It was a very steadying interview that I felt that he gave. And then you have, Paul George come out and say this, and it's it's disconcerting if you're a Clipper fan, I think. I think the, the best quality I've seen from Teron Lue in the years that I've covered him up close and, and now, you know, uh, not as close day-to-day, -day, but certainly paying attention to his moves, he's a guy who can communicate. He can bring people together. He can juggle different agendas. Um, so this that's no dig at Doc Rivers. He's a championship head coach in his own right. Uh, but I think Ty could have the right touch in order, you know, because guess what? Like, yes, if Doc Rivers was using Paul George the wrong way, that's one thing. Well, there has to be some sort of way for Paul George to be able to communicate that with his coach. And so, you know, maybe they live and they learn. And certainly Toronto is someone who, who knows how to take feedback from sometimes people with different agendas on his own team and, and find a way to, to make both parties happy. And you guys can read between the lines on that one. Hmm.
Well, not everybody was always happy. One guy asked for a trade. Um, not after 2016, about, he didn't. How about how about successful? That's there you go. Yeah, that's right. But Greg Popovich would be mad upset with me for suggesting that happiness is the thing that matters. Success wins. <laughs> Getting that's the chance true. to stay in LA and live the life of an NBA player you know in LA and not get traded that's and blow a, up that thing. That's a good point. Because, you know, I don't know who would sit him down and say that, but I would say, Paul, if you like this situation, if you like playing with the, with the Clippers, you like being in L.A., time to, time to fulfill your end of the bargain. And I understand he was hurt last year for part of the season, and he definitely made that point, that he felt like he was behind all year. I understand that, but that doesn't explain what was happening in that bubble in September. You know, his 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 late training camp from the previous September doesn't explain what's happened in that boat. Um, all right, we got to go. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, McMahon. Thank you to Troy in uh, Connecticut spinning uh, the dials for this, even though there's no dials. It's mouses, mice, and skis. Um, thanks for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. Have a good week. We'll talk to you soon. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.